Hey, Rifters, how's it going? Uh, solo episode again. Uh, Alan Lee will not be here, and neither will the Nightwing to my Batman, Victor Pacheco. Today, I'm by myself. A uh, couple things. You could still book me on Cameo right now. I think I have about 10 Cameos left, and then uh, I'm going to take a break. Um, I'm going to be in the American Comedy Club with TJ Miller March 2nd through the 5th. TJ's filming his new special, so it's going to be great. We're also doing a special appearance at the Rec Room Tuesday, February 28th. Uh, this episode will come out the 27th, I believe. So if you're listening, you can buy tickets uh, if they're not sold out at www.recroomhb.com. Uh, I will be at the Rec Room again with Pablo Francisco on April 14th. Uh, tickets, same link, www.recroomhb.com. Okay, we got a great show today. My guest, uh, you've seen her on Mad TV, the sitcom uh, Big Day. And she is now on the new sitcom called Night Court. Uh, Stephanie Weir will be here. And it will be fun to talk to her. All right, guys. Subscribe, brain review. And as always, tell a friend. And we'll talk to you later. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, uh, before we start, I wanted to say I'm going to try really hard to say your name right, but my sister's name is Stephanie. Oh, you know, I don't even hear a difference. It's so <laughs> fine. Don't even. <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, uh, like, it's usually like I'm pretty good with names, but, you know, I've been. So I was like, oh, God. So, I, like, I was oh, so no, self-conscious no. all week. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> don't be i can't even hear the difference it's so quick um you know i blame my dad for that he left the a out of my name on purpose it's you know we're from west texas so it was like stephanie and um yeah uh, you know if it rolls right off the tongue that way but don't even sweat it uh, where in texas uh, are you from uh, i was born and raised in odessa texas which is um west texas kind of the little armpit there um it's where friday night lights took place that's where the book was written and the series was based on my hometown there um big football oil culture yeah that kind of thing yeah i was born in san antonio but oh. uh, i moved with my mom to california when i was two so i still have the texas accent but like i don't <laughs> i don't I don't know anything about Texas. <laughs> How funny. So you, you really soaked it up in those yeah. two years that you were there. I know. <laughs> well, because like all my family, you know, is still in Texas. So like they'll okay. call me happy birthday and stuff. But <laughs> My brother lives in Junction, um, which is about two hours outside of San Antonio. It's uh, like a right on the uh, Llano River. And uh, so we have a family reunion there every year and fly into San Antonio usually. So, yeah. yeah. I did, I, I did a stand-up in San Antonio once. Instead of visiting my family and friends, I went to go 
uh, <laughs> I wanted to see uh, the Alamo or something, you know. I was like, this is where Ozzy peed or something. I don't know. But I didn't know there was like a huge story behind it. You know what I mean? Oh, behind the Alamo. Oh, yeah. you really are not Texan at all. You are I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Californian. <laughs> hey, I respect that. That's all like, right. I'm a disgrace to Texans. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> I think something happened here at the Alamo. I'm not sure. People seem to want to go and hang out there. <laughs> Yeah, I just want I just wanted to go to meet Davy Crockett and I didn't realize he died 200 years ago. Yeah, oh, you missed your window. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much uh, for saying yes. I've been getting a lot of no's lately, so thank you so much for oh, saying. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. And it's Reza, right? Or Yeah, right? Ray, Reza. it's Reza, yeah. Reza, okay, yeah. yeah. It's one of those names where like it's spelled with an e, but it's said, said with an a. Okay. Right? That's yeah, just, what's the what, what or uh, what's the story behind your name? Are you named after somebody or? Uh, Raise is my stepdad's last name, and oh. I, I I took it for comedy because my legal name there's already a comedian with my legal name, and he was way funnier. So I didn't want to like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good move. That's such a good move. Yeah. <laughs> if you just acknowledge you're not the funniest, I'm going to go a different route. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm going to be Keith Reza. Nobody's as funny as Keith Reza, but uh, Keith Johnson. <laughs> um, so I wanted to like, uh, uh, I wanted to like talk to you from the beginning and then we'll, we'll like move up forward. So I know you did second city and I know that uh, you had an audition for SNL and Mad TV, but the first time you didn't go to the Mad TV audition. That's correct. Yes, that's that's right. I really had my mindset on that I was going to go to New York. I wanted to be on SNL. And then I didn't get cast. I think I auditioned twice um, and didn't get cast either times. And in between there, Mad TV had come. And I don't know why. I just did not want to be in California. I think it had more to do with... Um, New York seemed to be the place to go at the time. UCB had just kind of started, opened up their theater there and we had friends there and stuff. So I was very resistant to coming here and uh, finally did. And I've just loved it so much. I'm so glad I did it. Now, how, how were the like auditions? Were they similar or were they, because I know like, like it's kind of, you have right. to have characters and stuff. That part of it was very similar in kind of what, what you're, you're bringing to the table. Uh, and I didn't really do impersonation so much. That was really where I would fall short in my auditions because you're trying to drum up something and, and you know, you're kind of banging your head because you feel like you need to have, you know, three character, uh, three impersonations of three characters or whatever. So it was very similar on that. I think the Mad TV one, if I recall, was more character driven. I think I just did characters. Um, the process of it was very different. SNL was much more, it was, uh, you know, obviously the stakes felt higher. There were a lot more comedians there. There's a process that takes, you know, all afternoon, you're kind of stuck in this dressing room for hours on end and you don't know when they're going to knock on your door and kind of call you out to, you know, walk out and do your, your audition. And I think that's part of the process is the stress level is really high, probably to see, you know, how you hold up under those conditions, because you can hear in those dressing rooms, your competition kind of working on their material next to you. And it can be really deflating if you're laughing along with them instead yeah. of focusing on your own stuff. Um, so I think um, 
you know, uh, from what I've heard, it felt like a bit more of a head head game there. The SN the uh, Mad TV audition, they were it was really lovely. They um, and it's different. You're staying at a hotel, and people are picking you up, and you're going to different networks, kind of driving uh, or not networks, but the, you audition for the studio, and then you audition for the network. And we were with the producers and the people of Mad TV who were really wanting you to succeed. And so it was really, it was a very, I have a very sweet memories from that audition. It was very um, supportive, and and I would say too, even our process of picking sketches for mad tv was not maybe as cutthroat as what i've heard at snl just because it's a live show and i think the just the stakes are just higher but anyway those were the differences i kind of saw as i went through both of those experiences well it's also one of those things that you followed your heart because you said the first time you just felt like "Eh, i don't want to do it so you didn't go and then the second time you went and you got it you know what i mean yeah, and the the showrunner was a former Second City alumni, and he had seen me on stage, and he really wanted me to come. And then I had kind of turned it down. I didn't get on the plane for that audition. Something in me was just like it wasn't the right time, and I I just wasn't feeling it. And I thought, well, I've kind of burned that bridge. They'll never come back and ask yeah. me. But they did the following year. Um, and uh, Dick Blasucci took me to breakfast and was really like, "Listen, we'd really love to have you." He was just so sweet. I couldn't really deny all the goodwill that was kind of being put in my lap to, to just go and, you know, try it out and see what it was like. And um, I just have so many great memories. It was a great experience. Yeah. Now, when you got mad TV, did you know it was going to be as huge as it became or like, did you just think, Oh, it's going to be a couple seasons? Um, uh, You know, it had been on a while and it was kind of like the, you know, redheaded stepchild of, of sketch comedy. I would, you know, it always, always yeah. paled in comparison to SNL and it was always kind of flew under the radar. Um, and uh, so when I went and I got picked up quite right away, I feel like I wasn't even finished with my first like nine episodes before they said, you know what, we're going to pick you up for the second, you know, tier or whatever for next year. So I had job security right away. And the show itself had been picked up for like two or three years, which is really unusual for any show to know that you have that kind of job security. So once I kind of got locked in and it was going, it never felt like it was a big hit kind of a show. Cause I just felt like we were always kind of unnoticed in comparison to SNL. But, um, uh, you know, I hear all the time people who really enjoyed it, especially maybe of your, your age, you know, people in their, you know, who what maybe late twenties, early thirties now who grew up watching it and stuff and it had an Im- impact on them. So it was important to them. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think it ever really registered in my mind as like a big smash you know a bit it was it was always kind of uh uh, in line with me which is like you know kind of calm waters just a a pretty level you know um you know versus high peaks and you know crashing I don't know if that makes any sense but I just it was it was almost just like a job like a nine-to-five job that a really good really fun nine-to-five job that you got perks at the airport because when you would you know every time I flew somebody would either know me or recognize me or upgrade me or whatever and that was super fun so yeah that's always like the best part when people recognize you you know like because like I'm a stand-up comedian so like my my following is very culture culture culture-ish you know Mm -hmm. what I mean 
So like whenever one out of a hundred people or one out of a thousand, that's more realistic. <laughs> they, they recognize me. I'm like, oh yeah, great. I get free Arby's. I don't know. You Right, know? right. Oh, totally. And it, yeah, it suits me perfectly. I always enjoy it when people come up to me and say hi, but you know, it's, it's not an overwhelming part of my, part of my life. life. Yeah. Well, see, it, cause uh, then mad TV like went off the air and then they rebooted it with a, with I want to say 2015 and there's a point to the story because uh, I auditioned for that one. And while I was, uh, you know, doing research, I was watching all the old sketch where like, cause I didn't really know what mad TV was when in that time. Mm -hmm. I remember watching your, your dot character. And I thought it was funny how uh, you said, yeah, sometimes we drink NyQuil for dinner. I thought that was the funniest joke I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even remember that. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> um yeah i i left uh, mad tv in 2006 and then um you know it went on and it's funny when you're not on the show you have no idea what's going on or what you know is happening and they i remember hearing that they were rebooting it but i never saw it or or anything but um i'm taking it you didn't get cast you're okay with that well no because see here's the thing is like i love stand-up and yeah. um you know, it's a sketch comedy show. And then when they did the auditions, it was so weird because they were auditioning for stand-up. They were st auditioning stand-up comedians. And I, I'm i more just stand-up. I don't have, like, impressionations in my stand-up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I knew I wasn't going to get it. But, like, I, I used to tour with Norm McDonald, And Norm told me mm. he, got, he got SNL just by doing stand-up. So I thought maybe if I did that approach... It didn't work out for me. That's but what I'm saying. I, yeah, I think it's a matter of, yeah, finding how they can use you in your particular point of view in yeah. the context of sketch. So I think you, you know, yeah. it probably would have been, I mean, what character would you have done? You probably would have felt really wrong and, and disingenuous standing up there trying to do a yeah like a, ba I, I, a baby I, character <laughs> I, I i can't even like that's the thing like if because like when people put you on the spot you're like ah, oh, I, I i just can't do it and i think that's one of those things you have to be able to do you know what i mean yeah yeah like yeah, I, I i could write the jokes and i could probably write sketches but i don't know if i could ever perform it interesting okay okay so you play them out and you can see them playing out in your head you just you're you, yeah but you're not you're not in it when you're playing it yeah, head. maybe like that's a lack head. of confidence. I don't know. But, mm. you know, I, I, I enjoy writing and stuff. And I wanted to ask you, like, what was the difference between like sketch writing? Because I also know you write for sick. You wrote for sitcoms, too. And that's mm -hmm. like two different books. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I always kind of hear whenever I'm writing comedy, it almost sounds like a song. There's like a rhythm to it. And, you know, it's sketch is obviously just a shorter song, but you're, you know, there's a feeling of like an, an arc to the scene and you're headed for that out. And then in sitcoms, you've got, you know, a, a longer tune to play and, and you're aiming towards, you know, these act breaks and stuff. So that that's kind of how I approach it when I'm writing it. And then obviously when you're writing, sketch you can be really broad um and then reeling it in for sitcoms trying to make it a little more grounded yeah because like they for sitcoms it's more um uh, i mean I, I know humor is a big part but it's also more about character where sketch it's like let's try and get as many jokes as we can 
Uh, yeah, they, they, I think you get crossover in both. I would say, you know, I think one of the biggest complaints I'm hearing about sitcoms now is that it's like the, the meter is like, there's gotta be a punchline every other line almost, yeah. which is kind of disingenuous to the way we actually talk and, you know, f- function. Um, but funny is a big part of the sitcom thing too. I think in developing it, that's been the hard part is like it always, you're always, you, you, it feels like people want to service the jokes more than they want to service the the characters sometimes. And that can be to the detriment of the, the sitcom. At least that's what I'm feeling when I'm watching sitcoms. They don't grab me as much as like, you know, I love, um, everybody loves Raymond. I love, um, Frasier and Cheers, and those seem to have a little uh, bit more character focus than joke focus, I would say. Now, now you say you like those shows, for example, when you watch them, do you ever think to yourself, oh, I I could be in in those type of roles? Like, did you ever try to audition for those? Well, those were a little before my time, but I did, uh, uh, let's see, I was on a multicam recently, uh, called Happy Together. It was only, I think, half a season. It had uh, Damon Wayans Jr. in it and Amber Stevens West. Um, and that format, I absolutely love. And that's kind of the mark I want to hit. So absolutely. I, it's kind of my dream to be in a multicam sitcom. I like a single camera, but multicam is really where I want to be in front of a live audience. Yeah. Was um was the Big Day a multi-camera one? Uh, no, Big, Big Day was um, a single camera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I know you worked with the great uh, Kurt Fuller, who I love. I guess like, I did. Yeah. That's been a, a, a while ago. Yeah. He's very funny. Yeah. I think he's one of the best uh, character actors of all time. And like, uh, I interviewed him because, like, for six years, I was tweeting him, Hey, will you do my podcast? He would say no. And then I would, <laughs> I would tweet him again. He's just say no. And then after like 400 text messages, he's like, all right, fine. I'll do it just to get it over with. And then when he did it, he sent me an email. He's like, I should have said yes the first time. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. So yeah, he, I would agree with you. He is so funny and so real. And yet it's such a great character actor because you always feel like he's never too broad. You feel like, you know, the kind of person he's playing. I met that yeah. guy. I know that guy. And that, I think that's hard. That's a really hard thing to do, to be so um, grounded in your work that way in comedy. Yeah. And then I, I heard like how you got your start in comedy was um, an ex-boyfriend took you to an improv class. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of is. We It's an ex-husband, actually. And we met. In, yeah. <laughs> uh, we met in. um Odessa, he uh, moved there from New York for some reason and um, t- took a theater class and that's where we met. And then when we moved to Chicago together, he's the one that signed us up for an improv class because the acting classes were all full, I, I think, when-, when we were, or maybe too expensive. And this was like, in we had no money. This was in our budget. And so, yeah, he Sean Benjamin, he signed us up and um, it really, you know, it really spoke to both of us. We improvised for a long time. Yeah. Still very good friends with the ex-husband. He's a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I'm not friends with any of my ex-husbands, but. <laughs> well, you know, it's all, <laughs> you got to want to, to spare the relationship. <laughs> and then I wanted to ask, um, you talked a little about happy together, but you, you, you also wrote for that show too. Yeah, I did. I um, 
I had written on the Millers, uh, which was a multi-cam that had Will Arnett on it. It was, I think, two seasons it had. Um, and I met a writer there, um, Austin Earl, who uh, we were in the writer's room together. And um, he's the one who brought me into that show. He's like, I really want you to play this mom. And I would really love for you to be on the, the writing staff. So that was like a dream job just because I was only working part time in the writer's room um, right. because I also had to be on stage. And so I, I was getting to do a little of both. And it was it was a, one of my favorite jobs. It was great. Did it ever like uh, irritate you if like something you wrote and then like you'd film it and then like they say, all right, cut. And then all the writers go in the circle. And since you're acting, you can't go in the circle. Yes. Oh, it was so <laughs> interesting. It was so interesting because, you know, you wear two hats. And as an actor, I'd be like, oh, I've got this great idea. I've got, oh, I've got a great line. And I'd be sitting on it and I would think it was so genius. And then I'd finally work my way over there and I'd pitch this line and it was like, oh, thanks, Steph. Okay, we'll think about it. And, um, you know, maybe not this take, but eventually. And I was clearly no longer in the writer's room. I was one of those actors who had great ideas, you know, um, which are often not so great. Um, so yeah, it was very eye opening, but it was a great lesson in, in kind of like staying in your lane a little bit. It's really important, you know? Uh, so yeah. yeah, but I was, I, uh, no, I was iced out. I was yeah. iced out of the writer video village bubble. I just think it would be so funny if you're like doing a line and then they, they change it on you. And then you're thinking, wait a second, I didn't write that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, totally. There's lots of things. And I'm sure it was difficult for them too. Like when, cause when you're in a writer's room, you're not writing for yourself. You're, you no. know, so if it gets cut, it's like, oh, that actress probably can't do that. Or, or it wouldn't be funny coming out of her or for a million reasons, not, you know, having to do anything with the acting. But when you're sitting there, I think they were, hesitant to say no it was just probably a little stickier for them but it all worked out we're all still friends so yeah. it was it was good <laughs> and then uh the comedians came around which was with uh, billy crystal mm -hmm. and that show was great but i was so surprised i'd only lasted one season because i thought like that was uh maybe we it was the first time uh, we were surprised too. We thought it was a really good show. I love that show. It was a small cast and we had so much fun. There was a lot of room for improvisation, which is just my dream. I love being in, in that place where it's organic to be able to improvise. It doesn't feel forced or whatever. And, and, and you're working with people who really want to, um, want you to improvise and, and are using some of the stuff that you're doing. And it was, that was a great time. Um, I don't really know. I know, I don't know the president of FX at the time was a really big fan of the show. So it just didn't either pull its numbers for what it costs to make probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, I had, that was, that was a really fun time. I love that show. Uh, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but what, what was it like working with the great Billy Crystal? Uh, he was great. Um, he's funny, very professional, very serious. He was not like a, a, a crack everybody up, you know, on set kind of guy, really. He's more about like, let's get our work done. Let's do it really well. Um, and, you know, 
plus he it's his face his face was you know fronting the show and i'm you know and it was kind of like him playing himself so i'm sure he was walking a fine line on like what do i want to do what do i you know want to say so um so maybe he's not always as serious in the projects he goes into but it was a real learning experience watching him work i mean he's a master and we uh had mel brooks on the show and i remember coming in for and i knew he was going to be in the show I had heard. And then we came in for the table read and I saw that his nameplate was right next to my nameplate. Oh my God. I know it was so good. And Oh, what a lovely human. He was so gracious, so uh, warm. And, you know, for some, I don't know, just uh, no ego and iconic, hilarious, just all those things that you dream of. And sometimes it's not always, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes it's not always great to meet, you know, the celebrities that you've idolized, um, you know, just because they can't fulfill your expectations. It's impossible. Um, But man, he, he just was a good egg. He was delightful. I loved him. Well, see, I think that that's easier because that you're right. They do say that, but I think if you're in comedy or maybe in, even acting and stuff, it's easier to get past that because you all, in a way, your heart is very similar. You know what I mean? So like, like, for example, I have Asperger's syndrome, so I can't talk to normal people or whatever, but I could talk to people in my field because, you know, comedy's in my heart, comedy's in your heart. So I click with you. you know so when I mean? you say, so when you say you can't talk to people, if you're at the grocery store, you, you wouldn't be able to strike up a conversation with the person in line behind you. Or- oh, it's terrible. Like I, really? I used to, yeah, I used to be a cashier at a grocery store and like, you know, it's so robotic. Cause you'd be like, hi, how are you? And this guy would be like, oh, I'm terrible. I just saw my wife chew on me. I'd be like, oh, do you have a Ralph's card? You know oh, no. what I mean? but like, <laughs> it's just that, so. Well, that would be hard to navigate. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the checkout line. Okay. I'm, I do. And I love my grocery store and I'm, um, I don't know. I have the best conversations at the checkout line. There was just a gentleman in front of me with a bunch of groceries. He was clearly, he was walking, he was going to be walking home with his groceries. I heard him telling the, the cashier and I ended up giving him a ride home and we had the best conversation it was really i don't know i seem to my husband's always that's very nice and scary of you like like uh, what if uh, he uh, was like uh he he was wearing socks with flip-flops so i was like i can clearly outrun the guy okay um he and he was really funny he was like he kind of struck up a conversation with me in line he looked at my basket and he was like you're clearly gonna live longer than i am um, just because I had fruits and vegetables and he had like eggs and hot dogs and stuff and stuff. And it made me laugh. And, um, I don't know, I, I feel like I might, I just read an article too, that in Europe, they have a designated, uh, chit chat checkout. So for older people who really want to have an, a conversation at the grocery store, you go to that line. Cause you know, there's nothing worse than when you're in a hurry and somebody is really sh- shooting the shit and you're trying to yeah. get out. But I was like, that is so awesome. A designated line for people who just have all day to kill and, and want to go in the chit chat checkout. I think this is a good time to thank you for the ride home, by the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know whether we were going to say I, if it was a secret, if we were keeping it, 
I mean, so, so welcome. Get some regular uh, shoes, Betty. You don't need yeah. to be wearing socks with those flip flops. <laughs> I'm so glad you you recognized my. I was wearing socks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, I, I feel like it's easier to talk to people in my field, but I, I get it where you shouldn't meet your idols because I'm, I once met, uh, Christopher Lloyd and in, in a bathroom and, uh, it was just so awkward because like, mm. I asked him the stupidest thing and I, I was like, Hey, uh, you're Christopher Lloyd. Like he knows he's Christopher Lloyd. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, I had a question. And uh and Roger Rabbit, you took a cartoon shoe and you put him in the dip. And I was just always curious, like, why do you, what did that shoe ever do to you? And he just looked at me, because like I'm trying to be funny, like that's a funny question. Mm -hmm. He just looked at me, he's like, I'm peeing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like bathroom is off limits. <laughs> Write that down. I learned that the hard way, though. Yes, you only make that mistake once. Bathroom is off limits. I think right as somebody's taking a bite of food, you just you're like, okay, no, not a good time. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really funny. So he did not. He just peeing, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but you know, that's a unique question. I feel I don't know. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, maybe in other circumstances, if you'd caught him, you know, just sitting at the airport, killing okay. time, that would have been a great conversation starter. Now, when you when you do acting and stuff, uh, do you ever like rewrite your lines that you have? Like, say, if it's a different writer, like, do you ever take your dialogue and rewrite your own dialogue to suit no. you? No, no, never. Uh, I wouldn't do that unless they had told me, you know, say it, however, you know, feel free to to play with it or or whatever. I would know. Yeah, because that's no. like a big no, no for the writers. Right. They get upset. Uh, they can, some can, I think, you know, I was working on a, 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 a million little things and that is very, you know, there's not a whole lot of room to like play with the dialogue and they don't want you to, because especially the character I was doing had a lot of exposition, important expo exposition. And, um, uh, you know, you, there are certain words like you just don't want to hear repetitively think, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, structure. So it's important to memorize it the way it is. And so I would get sometimes feedback of like, you know, you say have here. And so don't say it again down here. We want you to actually use, you know, had, you know, had, or, or and it seems really like splitting hairs, but it, you hear it on the ear when you're watching right. television like that. So, um, so in that, no, no room to play um, in the comedians. Totally. I could fudge with all of the, those, those lines just to, you know, tweak it and nobody cared as long as I was getting the sentiment across, but no, as a hard and fast rule, I always try to do it, try to do it as it's written until they tell me or until they change it or say I can. Now, this might be a, a strange question for you. And I, I do my research and I, I like to like watch everything I can so I could have questions. But I couldn't find this one. But I thought your character name was hilarious on Street Riffs. It says you were Hooker Mentor. Hmm. Like, I don't remember street riffs. What, oh, what yeah. show was this? What 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 was this? I I just found it and said uh, Stephanie played hook, the character of Hooker Mentor on Street Riffs, and I was like, oh, that's a funny character. 
I don't remember being on a show called Street Riffs. I don't even know what that is. Let me, okay, oh. now I got to look it up. Hold oh, on. okay. You're going to IMDb. I got to, I'm going to have to just see. I, I mean, what is Street Riffs? It, it must have been something. I've done a lot of stuff. And, you know, now having kids, you're also, they'll remind you of things that you did. That, oh. Yeah, that you're like, you, you know. <laughs> that, that's going to be. Mean, right, right. Maybe Street Riffs. Yeah. Hmm. It's either going to be the greatest story ever. Or... <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, you know what? I tell you, if it's worth talking about, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. I don't want to eat up all your time <laughs> trying to figure out what what jobs I've done in the past. It's like one of those Roger Rabbit questions. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> oh gosh, I'm not even finding a, a show called Street Rips, or maybe I. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I can't answer that one. I, whatever. If I was a hooker mentor, I bet I gave it 110%. I yeah, probably. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that's just such a funny character name because, uh, you know, a mentor to a hooker. I don't know. Yeah. Just taking a, some young woman, much prettier than I am, under my wing, giving her <laughs> the tips of like, yeah, you don't want to approach that car. You know, yeah. the, go for the better the, the car well, with matching wheels. Yeah, always go for the limousines. I don't know. <laughs> the limousines. <laughs> and uh, so when I want to, I wanted to ask you about fist fight. When you got that script, uh, were you rooting for Ice Cube or Charlie Day? Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember which one I was rooting for. I don't feel like I came away. <laughs> really probably yeah m maybe charlie day i guess uh he since he wrote it maybe that <laughs> that was who i was rooting for um yeah a friend a, a director who directed um <clears throat> the comedians uh, -huh. uh directed that movie um and yeah had asked me to do it and so i'm going to be really honest i may not have fully read the script prior <laughs> did you just I'm, read your part and be like all right that's enough i may i may have uh been like secretary i think i got this the school secretary i think i know yeah. what she, her role is here um so i'm kidding of course i read no it. i i told because like uh, i just did a movie where it was terrible but like I didn't read the whole script and I just uh -huh. read my, my scenes. Uh -huh. I, was, I was like, I got this. So when I'm filming it, when I, it took like, I don't know, four or five days to film just one scene. And I, I could already tell this is going to be terrible. You know oh, what I mean? Oh no. Oh no. I this... had fun. I had fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But I could tell it's, it's like one of those things. I don't really need to read the whole script. What, what role did you play? I played a, the father, the a father priest who dies. Oh, was this yeah. like, was this like a, uh, it's like a comedy horror, movie? horror thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you get to have a gruesome death? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I choke on water and like the water, like 
explodes my skin because like the water was like possessed water or something Oh my it, goodness. yeah it's but like what it's it's one of those horror comedy things where they try to take horror and make funny out of it you know what i mean Yeah, sure. I know that can be very funny. I hope you're wrong. I hope this turns out to be a really, my big break <laughs> yeah, I hope it's like everybody's talking about that priest who drinks the water and then did you become possessed? It just killed you right away. Yeah, no, it took me a couple minutes to kill me, but like, you know, I had to act like I was choking or whatever. And, uh, you know, then they CGI'd it or whatever, Oh, but fun. Oh, that'll <laughs> be cool. Who knows, it, right? I'll invite you to the premiere. We could experience the, the rage Oh, together. oh, perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. so, uh, Stephanie, I have, uh, t I have two more questions. I want to respect your time. Uh, I wanted to ask, how did you uh, come up with uh, the, the character of Anna Nicole Smith? Because it was so spot on. You know what I mean? This is interesting. She and I born the exact same day Oh, my God. in, in Texas. She was from uh, like, I think it was called Texaco, I think was her hometown. And I'm not a small town somewhere. So the dialect just came really natural to me. And again, impersonations are not my thing. And I kind of I can't remember if somebody she was really popular at the time. She had her reality show. So we parodied every reality show. And so I think someone wrote a parody and cast me in it, knowing that I was from Texas. And just kind of coincidentally, I could totally do her thing and uh, was able to kind of nail it. Um, and that was really that was really how that happened. And I'll and I'll say I, I felt guilty the entire time I was doing it because she was such a tragic figure, even at the time. you know, it's hard to parody something that is wilder than what you're writing her, you know, stuff that she was doing was really all off the charts and kind of sad. But um, yeah, there was an instance where we were at like the billboard awards or something. And Mad TV was there doing some bits and stuff that year. And I was dressed as Anna Nicole and at, they came to me and they said, Anna Nicole is actually here. We would love for you two to, you know, meet in the hallway, pass each other. And Oh my God. <laughs> I know. And I was like, absolutely not. This woman is going to punch me in the face and then I'm going to have to fight back. And that's not going to be pretty. Um, I was like, no, I do not want to do this on live TV. Absolutely not. Because she was also kind of unhinged and you just never knew what to expect. Um, and she had a right to be mad. We were making fun of her. Um, Yeah. Right. so anyway, uh, so yeah, that, that's, 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 yeah. Have you like you say making fun of her? Like I agree, but you're also making fun of her in a good way. You know what I mean? Mm. So like. Because they say that imitation is like the most common uh, form of flattery or something. Not, mm, not this. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to argue that like, it, no, there was no, there was no, nothing really empowering or good happening. And, you know, we were, I don't know, I was like watching a train wreck and then, you know, piling on to making fun of it. And it was also, you know, at the time things were a little mean spirited. I have to say that was really, All right. it was just, I don't know the ear. It was like even American idol. When you watch the old American idol, how mean they were to the people auditioning, you know, for daring to get up there and, and, and 
try to pursue their passion. It was just so mean and hateful. And we were like, I don't know, it felt like medieval times where we were all like, yeah, get her. <laughs> get her, make fun of her. Um, and, and now they give you a lollipop when they hurt your feelings. Yes. I would prefer like, yeah, why kick someone when they're down? So, so no, I would not say that it was any form of flattery. I mean, maybe she thought it was in yeah. some way. I hope so. I hope so. Well, it is what it is. That's what I like to say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's somebody else who says that. Um, uh, yeah. And then uh, my last question for you was, uh, how do you see like your humor when you do comedy and acting? How do you see that changes from when you first started from now? Um, let's see. Um. Uh... I think when I first started, I didn't uh, realize that my the unique way that I did things was what was going to get me far. Mm. And so there was a lot of trying to um, uh, do what I thought other people wanted, meaning like when you went into an audition, try to read it or perform it in the way that I would think they would want to see it. Um, whether it was like someone who was currently on television and was, you know, the, there was a time where, um, you know, in every script you read, it, a, there would be a character name and it would be like, uh, uh, think Janine Garofalo or, you know, think Wendy Malik or, you know, whatever it would be. And so you would, instead of just bringing what you had to the part, you would try to do it like they might do it. Right. And then, and then once you kind of realize, no, wait, the only thing, the, really the only thing that's going to set me apart and feel genuine is just if I put myself into what I'm doing, give my take on it. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But uh, it's going to feel better for everybody all the way around to approach everything that way. That's very interesting because like I, I write scripts, you know, I haven't sold anything, but like I, I have like three movies that I've written and I, I, how I learned script writing was I'd read other scripts and I know okay. old, old scripts would be like, Oh, think of John Cusack style or something. Mm -hmm. So like when I write, I would write with my favorite actors in mind, not necessarily that they're going to say yes, but just write with them in mind without putting them in the descriptions. I think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I've done that as well, where you're, when you're putting it on the page, it helps to have a voice in, in your, you know, that you're writing for a person. Um, and in some of the pilots that I've written that were made, uh, I loved it when someone came in and was just the opposite of what I thought I had written. And they would add a whole other layer to the character and, um, I don't know, it leaves a little room for, I appreciate that they didn't do what, what I said on the page, which, which was like, do it like this person. They just did their own take on it. And it was just as good. And a lot of times even better and they would get the job. And um, so as long as you have a little room in your mind, when you get to casting that, that, um, you know, it could go a lot of different ways. I don't see anything wrong with writing that way. Yeah. Now, Steph, Stephanie, I know I said I only had one more question, but I actually have one more. May I please ask it? No. We okay. are done. I'm kidding. Right. Oh, okay. I wanted to respect your time. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Oh. So, yes, of course. Okay. So it says uh, you were on Unsolved Mysteries. I wanted to ask, yeah. like, what was that about? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Okay. That's a big, long story. Um, oh, okay. It's a good one, though. Um, there was a murder in my hometown of Odessa. 
Uh, it was called the burning businessman. I mean, it was a guy who killed his boss and burnt him and then was like, it stole his pickup and stuff. Okay. So that happened in Odessa. My dad was on the deputy sheriff's department and they had reached out about this and he ended up kind of being the liaison uh, for them pursuing this story and shooting it in our town. And my dad, who was a jack of all trades, he was an actor, he did all kinds of stuff. He talked them into letting him be one of the producers. And so he supplied the location, he found the pickup, he rented them his motorhomes. He was also a car salesman and he owned a junkyard and he, this guy just did everything. Um, and he said, if I can be in it too. And so they cast him as one of the, the characters, one of the witnesses. And then my then husband and I auditioned for two of the characters and got it. Right. And I know, and I mean, at the time it paid a lot of money. And then somehow my dad got my ex-husband on as like a producing assistant. So we were making, you know, hundreds of dollars a day at a time when we really needed it. I was probably 22 or something. And um, I got my first acting job, got to join Taft Hartley um, and uh, shoot in our hometown. And that was kind of the money that got me and my husband, you know, we were in between spots, Chicago and all these places. And we had some money to finally get back to Chicago. And um, you can still see it today. It's called The Burning Businessman was the name of that episode. And if you Google it, like the episode will come up. And I think it's like the second story in there. And you can see my uh -huh. fine acting work. And I look in the camera and my brother at the time videotaped the, the episode and then cut together a meme, what it would be a meme today of me just looking in the camera over and over again. Um, that was my first acting job, uh, a television acting job, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, where can the folks at home follow and support you at? I have a, uh, I'm at Stephanie without an A on Instagram um, that I rarely attend to. Um, and, uh, my husband and I are on weird ass comedy on Twitter and we're doing shows in Austin and, um, um, yeah, that's kind of what's up with us now. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for saying yes. And it was an honor interviewing you and I hope to interview you again someday. I hope so. Good luck to you. Take yeah, care. Right. Nice to meet right. you. Have a great day. You too, hon. Bye. Bye. All right. Cool. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there, www.stereo.com slash Keith and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.